Hi, and welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to find and follow your purpose and build a life in alignment with your soul. I'm your host, Kitty Waters, a serial entrepreneur and coach, and I'm the founder of the Network for Transformational Leaders. The podcast shares inspirational life stories that empower you to create yours. Every week, I interview top thought leaders that share their life stories, giving you advice on how you can tune in to what you're really here to do. Please go to kittytalks.com and take the free Bliss Life Audio and start creating a life you love today. just had the pleasure of interviewing Mastin Kip. He is the creator of Functional Life Coaching, best-selling author of the book Claim Your Power. And how I heard about Mastin was he was on Oprah a few years ago. He created The Daily Love, which went viral. And since then, he's developed his own functional coaching style. And his whole work in the world is to help people uncover uh, their unique purpose and claim their power and step into it. So I really hope you enjoyed this conversation. I had great fun doing it. I was a bit nervous talking to him, but once we got into it, I was really loving it. Um, we talk about how the planet will change when people step into and find their purpose. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. Please do give us some feedback and let me know who else you want me to interview at Kitty Talks. So hello and welcome to Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that empower you to create yours. And boy, am I excited about the conversation we are going to have and the guest I have for you today. Mastin Kip, welcome to Kitty Talks. Thank you so much for having me today. Very excited to be with you and excited to serve any way I can today. Well, you have been on my hit list, Mastin, because I am totally with you on your mission and the work that you do. Like I am all about empowering people to step into their unique purpose. So I'm not only excited to dive into your story, but I'm incredibly well thrilled that I get to ask you questions in person. <laughs> awesome. Super stoked to be here. Let's, I'm happy to, happy to help. I, I know this. <laughs> <laughs> so let's like, I'd love to dive into your divine storm. Um, I have read that pretty much you hit rock bottom 28. <laughs> gout, you know, living in a pool house, lost your relationship, lost your partner. Um, now, when you look back on that, do you see the why it all had to happen? <laughs> um, well, what I'll say is I can, I, what I've been able to do is I've been able to understand how I can find some type of meaning or context in what happened to really use it as an opportunity to move myself forward in a positive direction. Um, I get a little, it's hard to say that it should have happened. Did it? I mean, maybe it should have happened because it did, but I also kind of think that, um, there's two ways to learn in life. You can learn through contrast and pain, which is, you know, that divine storm, you know, my clients call it a shit storm, but there's that moment in life where there are multiple times where things seem to be going against you. And then you can learn through joy and through love and through, you know, positive experiences too. The reason why we don't learn 
typically through positive experiences is because it requires a tremendous amount of self-awareness to be able to you know, understand and follow your intuition and follow sort of like reading the tea leaves of your life and really having some self-awareness around, is this aligned with my purpose or is this just some survival programming that's ancient? So um, should it have happened? I'm not entirely clear if it should have happened, but it did happen. And I'm thinking about a lot of people who have been through abuse. It's hard to say that it should have happened, but what I can definitely tell you is that when you find the right meaning, the right context, the right way to frame the past, you can harvest painful moments. And people have gone through way pain, more painful things than I've been through. Um, but in the brain, it's very equal. Like pain, there's no like greater or lesser pain. It's all equal in the brain. But the point is, is that like, I can't tell people why what happened happened, but I can certainly help, my, I have help myself and others find meaning in what happened. And that's how you change the future. So um, I'm not entirely sure that was the answer you're looking for, but um, I've had some refined thinking on this topic since I've released the book and worked with you know, additional people and gotten more questions about it. And I'm not entirely clear that things should have happened the way that they did, um, but I know that we have the power to really change the way that we relate to what happened so that we can change the future. And from what I understand, it was quite a turning point for you in your life. Yes. Um, and what happens when we get into pain, when we get into suffering, when we get into you know, a place where there's just so much pressure, we either cave and die or we can grow and elevate. And I had been doing just enough personal development work, just enough um, you know, yoga, breathing, uh, paying attention to the signs, if you will, to think this is not going well. <laughs> Maybe this is a gift. Maybe. And whereas most of me was like, this is not a gift, but most of me was like, maybe it is. And over time, I started to see that. And looking back, I'm extremely grateful for those opportunities. I don't know if I would call it a gift because I wouldn't want to give it to someone else. My friend Chris Carr says that. But it definitely, there definitely was a lesson there and blessings contained within that. And I definitely don't want to do it again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I know how you feel. I don't I wouldn't want to go back there either. <laughs> but how did you go from living in the pool house totally. to coming up with the idea for the daily love? You want the honest answer? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so um I'm gonna answer this truthfully, but in the right context. Um so I work with a lot of people to, you know, bring their purpose to life, to help them transition from job they don't love into maybe starting a business or growing a business, to help people discover and, and heal root cause trauma. Uh, we do a lot, I do a lot of different stuff. And what I've found is people need a compelling reason why they, why now is the right time to change. And there are three primary reasons I've seen why people tend to change now, not three months from now or six months from now. Uh, beyond mere survival, like if I don't change, I will die. There's three larger um, purposes or reasons. The first one is to prove the naysayers wrong, because in the beginning, you don't have a lot of evidence that what you're trying to create is possible. You're probably surrounded by people who have never done it before, so they're doubting you. Um, and maybe they're not even naysayers. Maybe they just love you and they're trying to help you get safe, but their advice is killing your dreams. So in the beginning, a lot of times when we have an idea like I want to do this thing, start a business or, you know, become a teacher or change my life or whatever it is, travel the world, you know, people around us will probably try to talk us out of it. So in my case, um, I was wanting to transition into a lot of scaling our business and my current business partner at the time, the one who uh, left and the business crumbled, didn't really believe it was possible. And so in the beginning, the daily love was not started with some 
you know, download in a yoga class, like it was started with anger. Like, I want to prove this guy wrong. This guy's completely, what are, you, what are you talking about? I can't do it. Like, yes, I can. Let me prove you wrong. But that anger, and anger is like nuclear energy. It can be channeled to build something, to power something, or to blow it up and destroy it. And, um, but after a while, that anger runs out. And some, then you kind of graduate into like, maybe I want to take care of my family, or I want to take care of my partner, or my children. So I got to a point where my mom was needing some financial assistance because we had to put her into rehab. It was very expensive, it was about $30,000, $40,000. So that motivated me to like get off my butt and work harder um, and ultimately ended up saving her life with that intervention. And then things get kind of bigger because your family is kind of good and you start thinking about like, well, what's the mission that I want to have in the world? Like, how do I want to change lives? What impact do I want to make? But that thinking isn't really something people consider on a daily basis until their basic needs are met. <laughs> so I don't think that in the beginning you have to have some huge, perfectly articulated, altruistic vision about how you want to change the world. You may just want to prove your sister wrong. I don't know. And that's completely fine. You celebrate what motivates you. So the daily love was started in a fit of anger. But I wanted to put it in that context because my, my, my goal was to use it for good, not for, to burn something down. Wow. Okay. So, and I, but I love that concept because like you said, we, Rome isn't built in a day. I, I don't think you get a download of here. This is why I'm here. And this is my purpose. Like in my experience, you know, your purpose is slowly unveiled to you as you take the action, as you move forward to doing something that is in service. Would you agree? <laughs> Yeah, I think that I think that um, in general, like the, the the textbook definition of purpose, um, is something an organizing principle or aim that stimulates the pursuit of goals and achievement. Like that's kind of what the textbook definition of purpose is. When I think about purpose through like the lens <clears throat> of working with people, I look at it a little even simpler than that. The way I look at it uh, very basically is if you look at why human beings set goals. Every goal you set to make money, to be fit, uh, to have friends, to be the president, to tell the president he's wrong, to Brexit, to not Brexit, like whatever the, whatever the goal is that you're going for, what we're really going for is the emotion underneath what we think that goal will bring us. So maybe Brexit brings us freedom. Maybe staying in the EU brings us freedom emotionally. Maybe having a certain person as president means I'll be financially free. Maybe having a certain person as president means I'll feel repressed. Maybe having a partner in life means I'll feel, you know, fulfilled. Or maybe having a partner in life means I'll be completely, you know, crushed. And so we're not really scared of or talking about like the physical uh, manifestation of something like making a million dollars or achieving a goal. Because everyone who's ever achieved a goal knows that the joy of that lasts only a short period of time. So what we're really chasing, what we're really after is the emotional experience that that goal will bring us. So when you start looking at the emotions of the body, then all of a sudden it's a completely different conversation. And if I had to boil down the most basic like, idea of like what neuroscience and what all the latest functional medicine and even quantum physics is showing us is that essentially we were born to feel good in our body, <laughs> okay? That's the basic underlying principle. When you remove any underlying dysfunctional pattern, whether it's a, you know, inflammation pattern or a, a toxic thought, the body is restored to wholeness. It starts to feel better. So we're naturally born to pursue positive emotional states. And when we're 
you know, when we have a healthy body and a healthy mind, naturally happiness is what emerges. And so I really believe that the definition of purpose that I think is the most functional and useful is really, it's an emotional state that you generate within yourself and then you express to others in the form of service. So it's not something that you consume from the world. It's not saying, you know, if Mercury's in retrograde, then I have to feel this way. Or if so-and-so is president, I have to feel this way. It really has nothing to do with the outside world. And you start to realize, oh my God, I have control over how I feel. Like no matter what chemical imbalance they told me I had, I can change that. No matter what neurological neural pathway, like we can change that. Like I can turn my genes on and off. Like I'm literally in charge of how I feel. And there are lots of best practices for how an individual can start to feel better. And then we must express that emotional state beyond ourselves. So if you look at someone like Martin Luther King, he clearly embodied the state and the emotional state that he wanted other people to embody as well. So he transferred emotions and that's how he lifted a generation. Same thing with Gandhi, same thing with any you know, leader, they inspire emotional states. When you have a healthy body, you're in a better emotional state. When you have, you know, when you're taking, you know, foods that are anti-inflammatory, you're in a better emotional state. So everything is aimed, you know, that the woo-woo terminology is to raise your vibration. I think simply we were born to feel good and there are different things that have to happen different times in life in order for us to feel good. So what has to happen, the expression of our purpose is consistently changing and there's multiple expressions. So when you hear people say that there's, we have more than one purpose, the real, the, the, the distinction on that is you have a different expression of your purpose because your purpose is always an emotional target. So people confuse having a job or making money or having children or changing the world as their purpose when really that's just an expression of their inner emotional states. And so if, if I had to summarize like everything, it's embody in yourself the emotional states that you wish others to have. Uh, kind of like the golden rule, do unto others as you have them do unto you. So it, it's, very, it's a very simple idea, um, but making that real in your life takes uh, practice for sure. <laughs> so just to kind of distill that down, because from what I'm hearing, effectively what you're saying in, in its kind of simplest form is to, for people to follow their highest excitement and for people to effectively do what it is that brings them joy and that, and that will get them on the right path. I mean... So, so almost, yes, and there's a little bit of a distinction there because people will sit around and think like, well, what's going to bring me joy, right? So what I would really start with is um, what problem would I love to solve? Um, and, and then who do I have to become in order to really solve that problem? Maybe I need to get sober. Maybe I need to break up with this relationship. Maybe I need to go apologize to my wife. Maybe I need to like charge more in my services. But I think it's really it, the spirit of service is so, so, so vastly tied to having purpose. Because if you think about what, what does the word purpose even mean? It's like the usefulness. If you don't have a usefulness, well, why are you alive, right? Like you were born to be used for something. And so I really believe that in the spirit of collaboration and being of service, you know, all of our energy centers, all of our, you know, emotional states come into alignment. You look at the work of Dr. Candace Pert some of the cutting edge work um, of energy medicine, Dr. Oshman, you look at Dr. Bland, who founded functional medicine, like everyone is starting to show us that like, there's this sort of invisible force. I mean, even the best physicists will tell you that in order to explain life, something must be added to the laws of physics that we don't currently yet understand. So there's some type of force that compels us that when we are in service to others, life tends to work out and we feel better. So 
a lot of people, when they first get started in their purpose, like, well, what's my joy or follow my bliss? And yes, but it's really the bliss of service, not the bliss of what makes me happy, because that will make you happy for about two hours, and then you'll be bored and scared to interact with other people. So the goal is really, what problem would I love to solve? And then who do I have to be to solve that problem? So for me, I've gotten to a point where, well, the problem I want to solve is I want to end emotional trauma in our lifetime. I think that's possible. It's a moonshot. And then I asked myself, well, who do I have to be to end emotional trauma in lifetime? Well, I got to end my own trauma. I got to do it for my people in my air, in my world. And I got to dedicate my life and work with people who are focused on that. And I can't view anybody who's on that mission as competition. And I can't view anybody who's traumatized as the enemy because they're just traumatized. So all of a sudden I can't be combative anymore. I can't attack other people. And so I have to have more compassion. Well, Jesus, how hard is that to do? So I have to develop compassion. Great. Thanks, Mastin. But it, that's the journey of becoming. So it's more falling in love with a problem and then asking yourself, who do you have to be to really solve that problem? And, and using your emotional states as a guide to get there. Mm. Yeah, fascinating. Fascinating. Because one of the things that um, I've been doing recently is studying with uh, Chris Atwood, who's studied a lot of the Vedic texts around Dharma, mm -hmm. how effectively when we're in the flow of life when we're using our individual gifts and talents in service to others we are effectively in the kind of dharmic flow um, and what's fascinating for me is obviously like you, like you touched on you know you live longer you're happier you're healthier healthier you've got purpose you've got meaning to your life where i think it gets really interesting and i love your thoughts on this is where you get dharmic communities so people that are in that flow of life. Like I think one of the reasons, one of the ways we're going to change this ship, you know, alter this world is to get people to discover their purpose, be in the flow of, flow of life. And that will spark almost like creativity on the planet. And, and there that's where for me, it gets interesting because, you know, we're at a critical time in humanity's existence. You know, how can we encourage more people to step into their purpose and power? Yeah. Um... Well, you know, it's interesting. There are communities around the world um, where there is sort of like dharmic clusters. They're called blue zones, and um, one of the one of the, that's where uh, there's a higher percentage of people in those in those regions that live to be over a hundred. Okinawa, uh, Sardinia. There's a place in like like San Luis Obispo, California. And what's interesting is one of the deciding factors besides lifestyle, de-stressing, and stuff like that. You know, primarily plant-based diet. Um, is that the elders have a sense of purpose. And you look at some of the peer-reviewed research that's coming out, this isn't just some woo-woo idea that's airy-fairy today. This is documented peer-reviewed research. I can send you the link to the, to the study if you want. And, like, and what's cool is this study was not funded by anybody. This is an independent study that had no independent funding. It was so the results are not biased towards a pharmaceutical company. They're actual real results. Yeah. And literally, the, the, it, what they found is a sense of purpose delays all cause mortality which literally means it makes you live longer right so there's something to that um that i think uh you got to pay attention to and when was the last time your doctor said what's your purpose <laughs> you know yeah. when was the last time you went to a psychiatrist or shrink and they said what are you living your purpose and they go no give me your symptoms all right take this me medicine which is insanely retarded it's so stupid yeah. to do that it makes no sense yeah. so the idea that you know like a pill is going to solve your problem is just so wrong and not only that what most people who are in the know know now is the majority of the neurotransmitters that help you feel good aren't even created in the brain. They're created in the gut. So when was the last time someone asked you, how's your gut health? So there's a lot more 
than just taking a pill to get there. But I do think it's 100% possible. I don't necessarily think that you can encourage people to live their purpose. The way that humans work is they have to be in enough pain to seek answers. I wish it was true that you could just make people live their purpose. Like I've often fantasized about like, what would happen if like you went to like, you know, like, uh, like Congress when there was like a state of the union address, and like give everybody mushrooms or something like they all woke up. That'd be really funny. Right. It's like never going to happen. But you know, this idea where everyone just wakes up. So, so what happens is there people, people are in pain. They hit a crisis point. Then they go looking for answers. The good news is the way technology is advancing, jobs are being replaced quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker. So in the next 15 years, we're going to have an existential crisis unlike anything the world has ever seen before because all these jobs are going to be replaced. Now, new jobs are going to be created, but it's going to be with softer skills like compassion, communication, relationships, empathy. Those are going to be the skills of the future. So if you're you know, making French fries at McDonald's or if you're bagging groceries, if you're driving an Uber, if you're doing task-based stuff, if you're, if you're an accountant who's not instructing somebody on how to have strategy, a lot of these task-based jobs are going to be gone. That will produce enough pain for people to look for answers. And my goal is to be set up and ready so that when they go looking, we got the answers for them. Because all the exponential growth that we're experiencing because of technology is also producing a less talked about exponential um, existential crisis. So we need to also heal exponentially as well. So that's my focus. So I think how do we get, encourage people? We just wait for jobs to be disrupted and then help the people who are looking for help when they need help. Um, and then in the meantime, keep waving our flag, keep talking about what's possible, serving the people who are here. Um, but it's, it's a paradigm shift uh, in the next 10 or 15 years that we, will, that we will never see again in the history of human race because we've never been so disrupted by technology so quickly. And you think that disruption will cause essentially more people to wake up and wake up really quickly because of the pain? Or It'll cause a crisis and what they choose to do with that I don't know. <laughs> you know, some people will probably just check out and go into virtual reality and like just live in some other world, kind of like the matrix. Um, and some people will wake up, you know. Uh, my teacher, Yogi Bhajan, said that in the future, there'll be three types of people. There'll be people seeking the light, crazy people, and dead people, right? Like that's basically wow. it. Um, and I think that's true. I mean, if you kind of look around, like if, you're, if you don't have a personal practice that's calming your nervous system down and you're doing self-inquiry right now, you know, it, you're going you're gonna to have a lot of stress because of what's happening today. But if you have a personal practice and you're calming yourself down and really looking at the problems as an opportunity to solve something, um, you can contribute to the world. There's lots of opportunities. But, you know, um, what someone chooses to do with the crisis is entirely up to them. And my goal and what I'm really focused on is trying to figure out how to solve this problem in a bigger way because it's so much bigger than, like, uh, you know, like even um, the 500 or 600,000 people that, are, you know, follow me on Facebook – that's incredibly amazing, but like this is going to be a big problem. So um, I'm trying to figure out a way to solve it at scale. And I don't know the answer yet, but my hope is, is that there'll be some technology in place by the time that happens so that, you know, it won't seem like it's um, a, as big a problem as it is right now. Because right now, you know, jobs are being replaced and people are scared. And that's why you're seeing the division you're seeing, not just in the United States, but all over the world, because there's economic fear. So whenever there's economic fear, that takes the place of, some moral superiority, which is why people are like, how could you vote for Donald Trump? It's like, because they're scared, they're not going to have any money and they're going to die. Like, that's why, you know, and, and that, uh, if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, yeah. food and water is more important than spiritual enlightenment. So, yeah. you know, like it's a, it's a, it's a real problem and there's the jobs aren't coming back. We have to create new jobs 
and the big opportunity, like if you're listening to this podcast right now, the big exciting opportunity is we live in a world where your purpose, your ability to communicate, to serve, to have relationships, to have connection, to have empathy, those are the skills that are going to win from now and then into the future. So if you're excited about connecting with people, helping people, serving people, those softer skills, and you want to have, you want, you want to influence and impact others, the future is ripe. If you're looking forward to, you know, basically like some basic task of like driving an Uber or flipping burgers, you won't have a job. But if you want to change lives, you have job security for the foreseeable future. And that's super, super exciting. Wow. That's one way of looking at it. And what advice would you have for our listeners? Uh, because obviously, like you said, we're at a critical point in humanity's existence. How can people tap into the divine guidance for help you know, with their purpose? How can, I know you talk about in your book, you talk about listening to your heart as a yes. kind of way of people starting to develop that connection. Well, so yeah, I think, um, I mean, the reason I wrote the book uh, is it took 10 years. To, to write it, not because it took 10 years to write it, because I coached people for 10 years before I wrote it. Um, so it's like, it's data based on almost a decade of experiential data. So that's what that is. And, and I'm not saying this to plug myself, but I wrote the book so the answers like that are easily accessible. There's a whole chapter or a couple of days uh, in the last section of the book that really talk about intuition and how to find it. Um, so if you really want that practice, it's in the book. And there's also a free 40-day course that goes with it as well um, that I can kind of coach you through it as well. But um, right now, practically, um, every person on the planet um, has intuition. Female intuition is probably 100 or 1,000 times stronger than male intuition. And that's not some sexist comment. That's just like saying females have different gender than male. It's just the way that it is. And so especially if you're a woman listening to this right now, you know more than maybe you're giving yourself credit for. Maybe you've been raised in a, in, a, in a way where you were taught to doubt your intuition, but those thoughts where you're like, am I crazy? Like, is this really how it is? Like, yes, okay, like that's really how it is. And so when you feel it, you have a sense of resonance of this feels true, even if you don't have the physical proof, that's intuition. The problem is people, everyone can follow their intuition, but what they're really asking is, can I get different intuition? <laughs> I know that I'm supposed to quit my job, but where's the one where I stay with my job? So it's more about um, not trying to change what you know to be true, but really trusting it and following it. And the more that you do, the more you get in rapport with that, um, the easier it gets. You know, I'm in a place now where any little tiny little shift off course, I can feel it. And I don't need some big crisis or disaster in my life. Um, to wake me up. I'm like, oh, there's that thing. Okay, cool. We're, we're going we're gonna to adjust course a little quicker than last time. So um, it's a process. Uh, you want to be around other people who are, you know, um, helping reinforce you. And, you know, I work with mostly women. 99% of my um, clients are women. And uh, I've had tens of thousands of clients. So, you know, one of the things I've also, a pattern I've also observed is most women um, haven't, weren't raised with the skill set to speak up. And so it might not come out right in the beginning or the first thousand or 2000 tries, but the goal is to continue to speak up, to continue to speak what you know. And we're seeing this in the Me Too movement right now, which is a beautiful thing, the Time's Up Now movement. And the people who are criticizing women for speaking up, like they need to just listen because this is a topic that's never really been discussed. And so just letting the voices be heard and to be listened to 
is like the most important thing. So you got to learn to speak up and speak up regardless of whether other people are approving of it or not. And do your best to do it around people who are going to support you to do that. But it, there, there's no like four-step process to following your intuition because it's, it's organic and spontaneous by its very nature. Um, but when you're still, when you're calm, you know, a kundalini yoga practice, a breathing practice can help you calm down. When your fight or flight responses are calm, you can hear that natural wisdom. You can listen to it. You can see it differently. So if I had to give you the most practical advice, it's get still, do something to relax yourself, maybe a 20-minute breathing set, uh, kundalini yoga, something like that. And then listen and feel for the answers, and they will be there. And if you're around people who are helping reinforce that, then that will get stronger and stronger and stronger. If you're around people who are like, that's not true, just don't listen to them and find people who are going to reinforce um, your actual you know, ability to tap in to listen to yourself. You're far more intuitive than you know. Mm. And you mentioned about people having a personal practice. Like now is the time that people need to find their personal practice. I'd love to know a little bit more about your own personal practice. <laughs> uh, it's about five hours long. <laughs> oh, okay. That's dedication. Um, yeah, so um, it didn't always start like this, but I wake up about 4.30 in the morning. Um, I do about an hour of steady state cardio. Um, nice and easy um and then i'll like warm up take a shower do some stretching exercises i'll do some basic surya namaskar a maybe yoga sets um and just warm everything up and then i'll do weight training for about an hour um and then i'll do um some high intensity interval training after that and then like about 10 more minutes of steady state cardio after that have some food and then i'll probably do about another 20 minutes of meditation um, and then I get into a writing practice. So by the time, you know, 10, 11 o'clock rolls around each day, um, I've moved, I've taken care of myself, I've expressed myself creatively, and I can tackle the problems of the day. Um, and some people think it's nuts to get up that early, but, you know, I have priorities. And so, you know, and I wish that I could change the, the, the stress and the, the inbound information of the day, but it just, it's just, it's all, you know, everything, every new success brings with it additional problems to solve. So, um, you know, I just realized if I could just take the four to six a.m. hour, um, then I can get it all done. But yeah, it's it's a practice and it's a combination of like functional exercises, weight training, uh, regular yoga, kundalini yoga, meditation. Um, it's a it's a it's it's a whole thing. And I and I don't go to the gym anymore. I have my own gym at my house, which saves about an hour of tra of travel each day, which is really nice too. So, but I didn't start that way. You know, I would start just with like a twenty minute breathing exercise, or you know, just meditating for five minutes um, but it just slowly built on itself over time mm. and is that how you fine-tuned you said now you can feel when you go slightly off track and mm -hmm. put that down to the level of connection that you've developed through those practices well absolutely because when you start to actually do breathing you know and you get on the other side of your stress you can feel notice things you didn't notice before because stress kind of focuses you on like only the problem and also like the training that i do the functional training I train a lot of parts of my body that used to be stiff and you know have trigger points and stuff like that, or the you know the bodybuilding. Like I'm always constantly trying to pay attention to where's the stress in my body. Okay, how do I release that that pressure point, that function point? And I'm more mobile now than I was when I was you know 20, mm. um, which is crazy to think about. Um, 36 years old. So um, it, being in rapport with the sensations of your body is super super important for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I thought my my partner's a four o'clock man as well. He's up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, well, one's up, the other's up. So, yeah, we are meditation and qigong and kung fu in our house. So. Nice. Yeah, our day starts very early as well. So I can relate to uh, totally. what you're saying. But Yeah, a relationship tip. If your partner doesn't start early, 
um, important to have a place where you can get ready where you don't make noise that the other person can hear in bed. <laughs> yeah, my, luckily for me, my partner has his own dressing room, so we kind of he goes in there, and I can I can sit up and do I, I like to do my meditation in bed. I'm not yep. a kind of sit on a pillow type girl. I'm a totally. mental sit up and do it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so let's talk more about the book, Mastin, because I know that this book is really close to your heart. Like you said, it took you ten years of your life to put this together. And um, before we came on air, you were telling me that it's really, this is your, you know, your life's work and it's got an important message that you want to get out to the world. So, yes. Yes. So I would love for you, because um, obviously, you know, we want everyone listening to, to go away and uh, take time to read this book. So you touched on some of the things earlier that were mentioned in the book about how they can get in touch with their intuition, uh, how they can develop practices like we've been talking about. Um, what, what is the impact of them claiming their power? Well, that's a great question. Thank you very much. Um, what's really cool about this book so far is that like it has predominantly like 95, it depends on what time of day or when this, you hear this, but 95, 96, 97%, um, you know, five stars, you know, 4.7, 4.9 out of five. And what people are saying on there is like, wow, it's only been day 10. I've got more value than something over here. I had someone, I read someone who said something like two days ago, they're like, I'm on day 21. That alone has been worth it, even though it's 40 days long. And like, this is better than like 10 years of therapy. And I'm, and I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that because the way that I view personal development is, you know, you have therapy, you have different personal practices. Maybe you do tapping or EMDR or yoga. Maybe you do trauma work. Maybe you do therapy, maybe you do yoga, maybe there's all these different practices. But what the way I look at changing lives is really from a functional perspective, which is a holistic nature, like the whole thing. And so when you start looking at like the whole body, you know, when you look at primarily life coaching, life coaching is designed to move you forward. And therapy is kind of backwards looking like what happened, but there was no like framework that kind of encompasses both. And so the goal with the clean your power process is to help you look back to realize what happened so you can understand why you do what you do to stay stuck now. And then what I do is I help you make it safe to move forward. So if you ever like gone one step forward and one step back or five steps forward and five steps back, and you kind of hit this, what, you know, Gay Hendricks calls this upper limit problem, um, your nervous system thinks that anything moving forward would be a threat, which seems crazy, but you know, like intimacy is a threat. Success can be perceived as a threat. More money, more responsibility can be perceived as, as a threat. So what I help people do is go back and go, what's in the way? Oh my God, I had all these invisible blocks, these hidden survival patterns, these irrational fears I didn't know that I had. I'm going to be compassionate towards myself to say, you know what? Like, of course, that's what I had because of what I went through it makes total sense, but I don't need that anymore. Okay, now that I've had this pain, I can find purpose in it. I can take that purpose and move forward and maybe even make a profit with it. So it's a, it's a very holistic um, view of how to change lives, which is why um, people are saying what they're saying, which I think is really awesome. And the other thing is, is that, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not knocking anybody uh, who writes lots of books very quickly, you know, but this book is not like just a book I want to have to like put out and say I wrote and call myself an author. Like I only wrote this book because there's a purpose for it, which is to help you find your purpose. And so my real focus is not to just go on to the next book, but to really, I want some millions of copies of this thing. Um, and again, not because it's for me, it's because I really know that this is an effective process. And so my intention for the next, you know, 18 months, two years is to really continue the conversation about this because it's, I believe the most important conversation that I'd be having right now. And I don't want it to just be like a flash in the pan. So 
that's really my primary focus is to is to continue to like help people be aware of that this resource is there you know it's a book it's only like depending on where you are 10 to 30 dollars and the value that you're going to get if you read it and apply it is like way more than that um and so that's my number one focus is really is, is moving forward so i'm not planning on releasing another book in nine months or you know something like that my real focus is just building this so that people know that it's out there beautiful absolutely beautiful thank you um and final question that I want to ask is, yeah, like, what is the impact on the planet when people start to claim their power and live their purpose? Um, you know, I put a lot of thought into that, and I think that it's just a lot of forward progress towards meaningful things. You know, you look at, um, you look at, I mean, one of my favorite futures to imagine is the Star Trek The Next Generation future, and like in that future, you know, we're exploring space. And we're not a military um, people anymore. We're more explorers and we can defend ourselves. But, you know, you have black people and white people and gay people and people of all different religions and people of all different ethnicities and even different aliens, like all together in this federation. And I think it just, it looks a lot like that. It looks a lot like people of all different shapes and sizes working together. We've ended our conflicts um, and we're pursuing more meaningful things like discovering this world around us, you know, like, I mean, when you look at like the first picture of earth from space you would think in that moment there's no borders like all war would cease right but actually it didn't you know we've had the hubble telescope for a couple decades nobody really cares yet this is like we're like where are we what is this place that we're in you know like we're not looking at stuff like that so i think once we kind of stop our um infighting if you will and just like, passing on our suffering um i think that the human race will expand it'd be a lot more curious It'll be a lot, it'll be a simpler life. Um, you know, you won't have all of these uh, shocking headlines, like people will have compassion when there's a crime. I don't think that you'll put, I, think, I don't think you're criminalizing people who are in drugs. I think you're helping them heal. I think you're helping them recover. I think that, um, you know, racism and stuff like that will be seen as uh, foolish and uh, something of the past, misogyny, all that type of stuff will just sort of be seen as like, like kind of how we view smoking now, like really you used to do that, you know, yeah. like, um, and then we'll be moving on to solve other problems. And so, um, and I think that can happen faster than we um, think. Uh, my goal is to, is to help end emotional trauma in my lifetime. But I just, it's kind of like, you know, that, that Roddy King phrase, can't we all just get along? Like, I think that's kind of the goal. Um, mm -hmm. It sounds so simple, but it's, it, we become more of a collaborative unit than something that's sort of fighting itself. Because if you look at the earth and human beings as a, as a body, and we're attacking ourselves, like that's very cancerous. So trauma is sort of um, the, I, I see trauma as like the cancer of society. So what happens when you end cancer? Well, either the host dies because there's too much cancer, which you know, we're gonna prevent, or you know, the host is restored to some level of health and can continue with its purpose. So I think that the human race as a collective has a purpose way greater than fighting itself. Um, and you know, one day we'll get there. Mm. Yeah, and that world that you describe is a world I want to live in. So, totally. You know, so for people listening, I would uh, thoroughly recommend the book. We're going to have all the details of Mastin, Mastin's book in the show notes. So you can go and check him out uh, on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, and follow him there. But Mastin, I really want to thank you for taking the time out of your morning after your after your busy schedule to come and talk to us at Kitty Talk. Oh my goodness, it's a total pleasure. Happy to do it anytime. We will see you again next time on Kitty Talks. Bye-bye.
you so much for listening to Kitty Talks. Be sure to head over to our kittytalks.com website and become a member of our exclusive club and you'll get free interviews and access to our private Facebook group. Exclusive webinars and secret success interviews. See you there.